Hey, if you haven't heard yet, it is college football time. Have you guys, any of you aware of that? I, I was out at the, the Vandy game yesterday. We, I'm a Vanderbilt supporter. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say a fan, but a supporter. I'm not really a fan of any college that I didn't attend, but I go out there to the games, and I've had free season tickets for years. I don't pay for football tickets or basketball tickets at all. And it's not because of my amazing ministry. I don't have anyone at Vanderbilt who listens to my podcast and sponsors my tickets. But, but what I do is, you know, I buy the tickets ahead of time, and then I sell to Tennessee and Kentucky and Alabama fans one ticket that pays for the rest of my tickets. It's a pretty cool deal, isn't it? I've gone free for years to all those games. Well, you know, the other day I was going to lunch with someone who attends this church. He's not in service today, thankfully. Um, well, no, not thankfully. I wish he was here. But um, I, I was going out. I'll tell you who it was. It was, it was Pete Bazelli. So just so, let's get real, people. I'm not hiding anything from Pete. Um, but I did at the moment because we're having lunch together. I'm, I'm trying to have lunch with more of the guys around here. And we're having lunch. And Pete's like a big Vanderbilt fan. He, in fact, he always shows, usually always shows up after a win the next day on Sunday after a loss, it's 50-50. Um, and, and, and we're sitting there, and we're talking about the team and everything, and, and uh, Pete says this. He says, you know what I can't stand? I can't stand these people who sell their tickets to Kentucky fans or Alabama fans. Now, he doesn't have a country accent, but it makes a story better when I say it that way. And he, and he said this, I mean, with passion. He said, I'd rather burn my ticket then give it to an Alabama fan. <laughs> and I responded something like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so now confession. This is, this is a public confession. Well, so we're at this game yesterday. It's about half full. <laughs> no surprise for that, right? <laughs> and um, at, at, at some time, um, they honored donors. And so there's these donors down there, these this really distinguished-looking couple um, who they're honoring for giving large amounts of money to Vanderbilt. And I, I've, I've got, I'm on the mailing list, so I've seen how much that is. And we're talking, this has to be tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars. I hope those people visit our church sometime, right? Um, and, and so they make this announcement and honor these people, and it was just like the most anemic golf clap you'd ever hear. So, so what would make a couple give tens of thousands of dollars to the athletic program of Vanderbilt when there's little appreciation from the fans and, and, and really uh, that particular presentation wasn't so exciting? Well, what would make someone do that? I mean, they, are they doing it because of, of the recognition? No. I mean, they're doing it because of the enthusiasm? No. These, these college football donors, and some of you may be that, they love their teams. I mean, have you, have you just, I mean, that's why we love college football. The enthusiasm is so high. And, and, and it's amazing to me that over decades now, I mean, for 120 years now, 130 years, we've had interscholastic sports. And the alumni and friends of the community give so much money to these teams. Well, why do they do that? They don't do it because they have to. It's not like they're getting a tuition bill 
right? Like, like that's how education works. Otherwise, like you go to class, you give them money, they give you a degree. That's essentially what happens with a lot of stuff in between. Um, they're doing it because they love their school. They love their team. And, and that love is expressed through generosity. Hey, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about giving today. And I want it to be transferable to all areas of your life, right? So just be at ease. There's nothing there. We're not going to pass the bucket again. There's no cards for you to fill out. I want you to look at being a generous person on all levels, on all levels. And, and here's what really bugs me about fundraising in the church. Or, is maybe the way I just phrased it, fundraising. <laughs> and isn't that just, it feels kind of gross, doesn't it? Because... Like the pressure sometimes preachers feel to raise money, they can transfer that pressure on the people, and you can feel very much like your arms getting twisted. You can feel very much like pressure. I don't know about you, but it is no fun to give under pressure. Maybe it's effective in like raising some money, but it's not effective in changing the heart. And that's what I want to talk to you about generosity today, because generosity is not an issue of reaching a financial goal. Generosity is the issue of God shaping your heart. And he wants you to be generous, not just like here, but everywhere he leads by his spirit. That's why Carrie read this scripture today, and we'll read it. We'll read it again, verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not out of regret or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Listen, I want you to write this first point down. If we want to be people of generosity, which means we're expressing the heart of God and we're reflecting the heart of God and God's shaping our hearts through generosity, it's love, not law. Love, not law. I want to say this right away. Now, our board members might not like what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway because I think God's leading us, is that you can come to this church as many times as you want and you never, ever have to give anything. You don't. You are not under a law. And I want to be really clear about Scripture. When you stand before God someday, He's not going to be concerned with how much is on your giving statement. We don't earn our way into heaven. We don't give our way into heaven. We don't pay for the favor of God. We receive the favor of God. And when you stand before the throne of God, the only thing God's going to be concerned with is this. Have you fully trusted Jesus as your Savior? Because if you, if you are looking for any other way to get into heaven, it won't be enough. You can't give enough. You can't earn enough. You can't do, I mean, we're fully dependent upon the grace of Jesus Christ. And so that's how it is in this issue of generosity. Yeah, guys, none of you have to give to this church. None of you ever have to give in this. I don't look over the records. I don't look to see who gives and doesn't. See, I mean, occasionally that does happen. I'm not saying, I, I'm not making this promise. I will never see who gives because it just, it just sometimes I have to for different arrangements. I send a, I sign a letter to first-time givers. Some of you have received that to thank you because I want you to know that you're not just an anonymous person in these chairs. You're someone that we care about. But I, I want to tell you this is that, that I want you to be free here. And I, I want you to give to this church. And here's the reason I want you to give this church. I want you to give to this church because you love God and you love what's happening here. All right? If, if these college football fans can believe so much in their teams, 
I'm not picking on one school either. That's just the school in my head because I was at a game yesterday. But in all of interscholastic sports, beyond one sport, I mean, people are donating because they love their school and they identify and they believe in the mission. I mean, it's not... It's not an obligation. It's a joy to give. Listen, think about what's happening in the kingdom of God. I mean, and, and maybe, maybe you don't realize what happens here. What would happen? What would happen to our nation and to the cities in this little area in Middle Tennessee if the churches shut down? I mean, if we, if we didn't have a beacon of truth, a light, a place to come and kind of find our sanity in ancient wisdom of Scripture, what would happen? I, I think about, about kids. What's going to happen in the next generation if our kids don't hear what the Ten Commandments are? Because they're not going to hear it through, you know, federal programs. And maybe they shouldn't have in the first place. They're going to hear it through us, through a faith community. We've got to teach the Ten Commandments. We've got to write them on our hearts and speak them in our, in our mills around the, the family table and understand what's going on. We, we have to talk about the Beatitudes. It's the things that Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount. The, these is, this is a message that we hold and we carry. And listen, it's our responsibility to pass it on to the next generation. And it won't happen if churches keep closing down. Right? This, this is what would happen without the church. And so I want you to think about what happens here. When you, if you ever come here on a Wednesday night and, and you see 80 to 100 Awana kids, 75 to 100 teenagers, depending on what's happening that Wednesday, and then they're hearing a positive message, a Jesus-exalting message, a message that's saying no to sin and yes to God. If you think about what happens when we gather together and we sing songs and and. and we, we hear God's word together. You wouldn't believe, and I can't tell you about it, the type of counseling or spiritual advice that happens throughout the week and in the different groups that meet here and in the different meetings that occur here. I mean, listen, the church is doing great, great work for God's kingdom. And when you give to the church, I don't want you to feel like you're trying to avoid a curse or you're trying not to get in trouble or you're trying not to lose your leadership position. I want you to say, listen, I'm going to give because I believe in what God's doing. I believe that God is changing lives through the church at Indian Lake. I believe in our youth ministry. I believe in our worship. I believe in our small groups. I believe in the vision. I believe that we are a light and darkness and I'm going to give my tithe I'm going to give to the Lord not because I have to because I get to because I'm doing it out of love I want you Jesus said be a cheerful giver how can we be a cheerful giver if we don't love the fact that we're giving we don't want to give begrudgingly this is the heart of God John 3 16 the scripture that's most famous in the world but It says this, for God so loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Giving is an expression of love. And when giving becomes a law, it takes away the love. But there is a power and an anointing when we give out of love because we begin to reflect God's heart. We begin to move in God's heart. And so here it is. This is what I want, you to, I want you to do this week. And this may apply not to the context of what's happening here at church, but in your life. What can you give to this week out of love? And what does that mean? 
yes, money is, is, is in the forefront of our mind, but your time, your attention. I, I want us to increase generosity this week. Increase generosity this week. Increase generosity. Like, like, is there a family you know who's struggling? Maybe God's made you aware of that need because he wants you to buy a $100 gift card to Walmart and anonymously get it to them. That's what I'm talking about, being generous. Maybe it's time to pick up a missionary or to, or to pick up a, um, a, a ministry you believe in and start giving 15 bucks a month and, and maybe just cut back on going out to lunch one time a month. And I'm saying you can do all that stuff without passing it through CIL. You see, see I'm going here? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going for your money today. I'm not, your money is safe today. It's God's money anyway. But, but, but I'm going for your heart today. Where is your heart? Some of us have been long-term givers, but we've disconnected our heart from our giving. And this has happened to me a little bit. I put back on my prayer list. I haven't done this in a long time. I'm praying over my tithe. I, I tithe. I give 10% of everything God increases me with. I give it to this church. And, and I'm praying over that. And I'm saying, Lord, I, 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 this, I don't want this to be a business transaction. There's an anointing on the tithe. The tithe belongs to you. And then Beth and I, we picked up a couple of ministries outside of this church that we're, we're sponsoring right now because, you know, that's something that we, we want to stretch our faith. We want to be people of generosity. You, you know what's irritating to me? There's a lot of things irritating to me. But phone bills, right? Like, like we're, we're now all dependent on mobile phones. I have five mobile phones in, in my house now. And, and so we kind of have to have them Man, I don't understand what's going on with the bill. And they keep changing the way they're doing stuff and changing the way you used to get a contract. And with the contract, you got a phone. Now you buy the phone ahead of time and you don't even pay it off and it's obsolete and you do updates and the phone doesn't work. It's just really foul, isn't it? It's foul. The, pro- the, the prophetic. The prophetic. I'm going to speak against the phone companies. Yeah, that's it. Unless you work for a phone company, then I want you to tithe up that work. <laughs> Man, phone bills are just irritants. It's irritant to pay them. All right? Man, I hope you don't feel that way about your giving to God. Man, let's let's today ask God to help us get out of irritation and obligation and get into, here's my second point, generosity is opportunity, not obligation. Man, I have no joy in paying that phone bill because I don't trust the phone companies right now. I'm not happy with them. A lot of bills, I don't really mind. It's, 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 it's called, you know, capitalism. It's like, I'm going to change my resources for a good or service. And I get that. I like sneaky stuff. I like things being hidden and sneaky and complicated. I like it when customer service people, I have to explain to them the bill because it's so complicated. They've only been working there 90 days and they don't know yet. All right? I mean, I, so... This, this is how this whole thing about giving, giving to the church is getting all kind of complicated. All kind of complicated. Man, let, let, here, let's just be people who love God and, and we're just generous, right? We're just generous. We're just like, Lord, you're passing resources through us. You're taking care of our needs and you're actually taking care of our wants too. Because I found out that as I evaluate how I spend money, I spend a lot of my money on things I want, not necessarily things I need. And isn't God good that he lets us do that? I mean, he's gracious, He's great. He's good. He's like a father. He likes for us to enjoy life and stuff. But listen, God, it's your money. It's your resources. And you're flowing it through me. And, and, 
and I, I don't want to disconnect my heart anymore from my money. I, I, Lord, help me to do that. So I want to talk a little bit more about tithing. Now, here's funny about talking about tithing. Tithing, I've already mentioned it a couple of times, is 10% of our income. So whenever you preach about tithing in church, everyone has a little bit of different reaction. The people who are like long-term tithers and it's a good thing for them, they're like, sick them, Aaron. We've been carrying the weight and more people need to give. So I kind of get that. I get a positive feedback. Man, nail them on the tithe. And then you got people who are like getting educated. They're like, I tithe. I didn't even know about this. I'm barely a Christian. Is it New Testament? Is it Old Testament? What's going on? You're just trying to get the data and get the information. And then, then you have people who just feel bad. They're like, oh, my goodness. There's another tithing sermon. It's January, and the preacher's going to preach about tithing again. Turn to Malachi, and everyone kind of rolls their eyes in their spirit. <laughs> now, I love Malachi. I'll have you notice that I'm doing a whole uh, sermon on giving. You can look at your, your sheet, and there's all New Testament references. It just kind of worked out that way. So, so it can be done. It's being done today. We're not going even to the Old Testament at all even though that's valid. And I, I, those scriptures in Malachi changed my life, but sometimes when you've been in church for a while, you're like, okay, here we go again. And, and, and so there's, there's, that's a third category of people who are, who are just like, like sad a little bit. You know, like sad. Like, I wish I could tithe. And I'm going and, and, and to leave dejected because you've heard the sermon again. And listen, guys, l- listen, you're gonna, you can get there. You, you can be there. This isn't here to make you sad. It's to give you an opportunity. There's an opportunity to give what belongs to God, to God. And then there's some people who just get mad when you preach about tithing. And those are people who will probably never tithe unless God changes their heart. That anger, like, you know, that angst, you know. That's okay. I mean, if you disagree, that's okay. But that kind of anger and angst, man, if that's in you, maybe you ought to pray about that. Right, right. I mean, what is that anyway? It's not, like, it's not like we're forcing you to write a check before you leave here today. We're just teaching you what's in the Bible. So this is, this is what Jesus taught about tithe. He said this in Luke eleven forty two. 42. Luke chapter eleven forty two. 42. It says, um, what sorrow awaits you Pharisees? So he's talking to people who tithe here. For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus said, yeah, you should tithe, but can we get to the place where the tithe's not that big of a deal? So the Jewish people were under the law. They had to tithe. So there's like this assumption, if you're a Jewish person, you're going to give 10% of your income to the Lord. And the Pharisees were really excited about this. But look what he said, and look back in the previous screen there. He says, what sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? You're careful. You tithe even even 10% of your herb gardens. I mean, how do you even figure out what 10% of herbs are? That would be a tedious, terrible task. Law, 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 legalism, legalism, legalism but you ignore justice and the love of God. And so Jesus is saying here, he's like giving this assumption. His assumption is you are tithing, but let's just get the tithing thing out of the way so we can get to the bigger things, which is bringing justice and love to the world. And so 
I was fortunate enough and blessed enough. My parents taught me to tithe. Like, ever since I was a little kid, 10% of everything I made has gone to God. Now, Grandma's check didn't, for my birthday, I didn't necessarily tithe off of that. Maybe your kids do. They're more holier than I was. But if I earned money mowing lawns, all that kind of stuff, or even doing chores, 10% went to God. My mom still gives me 50 to $100 every birthday. That's the only time I don't tithe. I don't tithe of that. Because I know she's already tithed off that. And it's pretty cool to get 100 bucks on your 42nd birthday. Huh? How about that? I remember Kenny Powell telling me that his grandma used to give him a $5 check when he was a little kid. Like, you know, age four, age five. And she just continued it until he was an adult. $5 check. So praise God for that. But anytime I earn money, it just goes, it just goes to the Lord. And, and so I just want to, and, and I just want to say this. If you're struggling with tithe and you want to, just do it. Just, just give it to God. It's not always convenient for me every month. I mean, there's sometimes I've given my tithe check and the car breaks down. Uh, and, and you know what? We've, we've figured it out. The Lord's figured it out. And some months has been harder than others. And all I can tell you this, is, I can just tell you my story. It's the trajectory of my life has just gone like this financially. Just, it doesn't mean every week, every month it worked out that way. But just, it just, man, I mean, and the Lord's blessing me in, in ways. It's not just in money ways. Just, just where my kids are right now, I don't want to idolize them. But our health, there's just so many things, God. I mean, I've had, I have my cars last forever. Sometimes that's irritating. I'm like, it'd be great if this broke down because I can't afford car payments. I just don't want to right now. But, but, I mean, it's amazing what the Lord will do when, 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 when you tithe and you have eyes, eyes of, of faith to see that. So, when I just, you know, if you can, just start. And then sometimes we look at this tithe thing like all or nothing, like 10%. And, and that is the number God has attached a blessing to. I understand that. But if, if you're in a position where you can't do that right now, uh, you know, Start somewhere, $20 a week, $50 a week. Again, because here's the reason why. I'm not trying to raise money for the church right now, primarily. Primarily. I, can't, I cannot honestly say that's not, a, that's not somewhat of a motivation here. My primary motivation, I believe God's motivation is this, is shaping your heart you know, and giving to God's house. And, and guys, our generation has to fund the work of the Lord. If we don't give and teach our kids how to give, many, many churches will close down in the future. Now, this is, this is, this is, a, this is a proven statistical study here that as the baby boomers, they're already retiring as they move forward, they, they give in ways that younger generations don't. And so let's just make a decision. Let's just be givers to the Lord. Out of love. Out of love. Because we love him. I don't love because we love the church. Because we love what God's doing. If you're visiting with us, if you're, if you're not a Christian, please hear me. I'll, I'll repeat something I said earlier. You never, ever have to give. But we have the opportunity to out of love. This is what Jesus said in Luke 16, 11. If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Luke 16, 11. I'm going to read that again. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? I believe that for me, 
for me and in people I see, giving has been the gateway to total obedience in my life. And I've seen this happen. And, and, and listen, this, is, this will feel a little manipulative, but it's just not because it's, it's been factual. Okay? So just hear me out. When people start, people who are givers to God, who are generous, stop being, generation, stop being generous with the Lord. It's usually the doorway to more sin in their life. Because if you stop obeying God in an area that you used to obey God in, then you'll stop obeying God in other areas too. It's all connected. The heart's connected. The heart is connected with our finances and everything. Many of you have heard of Steve, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, the founders of Apple. There was a third founder. You may not have heard of him. Ronald Wayne. Has anyone heard of this guy? Ronald Wayne was the third co-founder of Apple. And two weeks after Apple went public, he sold all of his shares for $800. Today, those shares would be worth $40 billion. You win some, and you lose $40 billion sometimes. You know, investment is an important thing, isn't it? when you hit it right and when you invest wisely. Here's my last point about being generous. It's an investment, not a loss. It's an investment, not a loss. I want you to see when you give to the work of the Lord, when you give to the kingdom of the Lord, when you invest in another family member, when you invest in somebody else, God, you are investing your money. You're investing your money in, a, in something that is untouchable. There's divine power on that investment. There's an anointing when you give. Listen, when you, when you give online, when you write a check, when you give cash to someone, don't disconnect your heart. There's an anointing on that. There, there's, some, there, there's something powerful that happens in the heavenlies. There's something that happens in your heart when you're obedient to God and you're generous to God. That's why we got to start teaching our kids to give more and, and to be givers and to understand this because it's, it, it affects the way we view the world, the way we view God, the way we interact with God. One of the most famous scriptures and is the most marketable scripture in the industry I like to call Jesus junk. Jesus junk or bumper stickers, plaques, pins, knickknacks you put on the end of your table. Right? That's supposed to be funny. I hope I didn't offend you now. <laughs> Erasers. Pens, scratch pads, mints. There's something called testaments. You give a testimony as you take a mint. Why didn't I think of that earlier? We could have paid off the building by selling testaments all over the world. One of the most marketable scriptures for Jesus junk is, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. I love that scripture, but I want to give you the context of that scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verse 15, starting with verse 15. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, this is Paul's writing, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, that's where the book of Thessalonians was written to, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek that gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. 
Can you imagine a pastor actually saying that? I mean, we've said that here. We have. I'm not trying to brag, but we've said, guys, we've raised all the money we need for backpacks. We've raised all the money we need for this project. God has supplied everything in abundance. I'm fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And now here's the famous scripture. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I love that scripture. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But you know that scripture is applicable to the generous. Right? It wasn't just this general scripture to everybody. And I'll say this is, is I think it does apply to everyone in some sense. Because he has supplied all our needs through Jesus at salvation. But he said, listen, you gave when we needed you to give. In fact, when no one else gave, you gave. And because you gave and because you were generous, my God's going to supply all your needs. You talk about an investment, right? An investment, God takes care of you. God takes care of you when you understand the principle of generosity. Here's the last scripture I want to share with you today. I looked up like to tell Beth to come up, but she wasn't there. It was like a, it was like I saw her as a ghost, and there she is. Yes, thank you. This is my wife and our worship leader. Acts ten, chapter ten, verse one. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout. And God-fearing, he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. That's a key, phrase I want, a key phrase I want you to remember. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. So you see here we have a vision, we have divine direction, and if you read the rest of Acts chapter 10, you see major spiritual breakthrough. Well, this, what got the attention of God through the angel, go back to the previous slide in, in verse, verse 5 there, verse 4. Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, this, this Greek word from which was translated memorial offering was only used one other time in the New Testament, and it's when Mary Magdalene poured out expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus. And when he, she poured out this costly perfume and was corrected by Judas, and, and Jesus said she did the right thing here, and people will talk about Mary Magdalene forever because of what she's done. And now Jesus told Cornelius, who was not a Jew, your prayers and your giving have been remembered. And because of that, here's spiritual breakthrough and spiritual vision. This is what the Lord wanted me to tell you through the scripture today. I, I feel very strongly about what I'm about to tell you. Some of you have given money to the Lord that has been misused, unappreciated, 
and, and there's a sadness in your heart, God wants you to know today that your gifts to the poor are a memorial offering to him. They're an act of love to him. That there is no gift wasted when you give it to God. I'm not saying that men and women don't misuse because it does happen. It does happen. I like to say that we were 100% successful, but I'm sure if we really, there's times when we've, you know, we've made, I know we've made financial mistakes here. We maybe haven't spent money in the best way, but we try our best and we have systems in place and we want to even do better at that. But I want to tell you this, those of you lovers of God, lovers of God, when you give to God, it's a fragrance. It's special to him. He loves it when you give. And he will not forget what you've given. Even if no one else appreciates it, no one else understands, even if the outcome wasn't what you, you might have invested in a church or invested in a ministry or invested in a person and the outcome wasn't good. Our God says no money's wasted, no gift is wasted because it's done out of love. And givers, God's not only going to provide for you, but there's, there's breakthrough for you. There's vision for you. There's the unexpected. Just like he did something unexpected for Cornelius, he's going to do something unexpected for you that no human can orchestrate on his or her own. That's what our God's going to do. I want to ask our ushers to position themselves because we're going to partake of the Lord's table in unison today as a family today. John 3.16 is our gospel lesson today. I read it already. God so loved the world that he gave his son. I, I couldn't give my sons. I couldn't do it. I couldn't give my daughter. But God did. He, he's a giver. God is generous. Listen, any generosity that we have is we're, we're reflecting dad. We're reflecting papa. We're, we're reflecting him. Listen, we're generous, not out of the law. We're, we're out of the law. We're into love now, not out of obligation. We're giving because it's an opportunity. Do you understand that giving is a response to the gospel? Listen, every, our, our dependency on heaven is because God gave, and he gave us opportunity, and he gave us love on the cross, and God gave us his undeserved favor. It, he, he is so wonderful. And so when we tithe, when we give, when, when we buy someone's meal on the other side of the restaurant, right? When we pay the sports fee for that neighbor kid, because even though it's going to cost us to pay, to, to pay the basketball fee, uh, it, it hurts to pay it for our kid this year, but we know that other family doesn't have it either. So let, let's just go ahead and pay it. Let's tell the coach we're going to take care of that neighbor's kid. And they may know, they may not. It doesn't matter because we're just reflecting the heart of God. He's generous, isn't he? He's generous, right? 